Welcome back to the Tech Whispers podcast. Do you get inspired by industry disruptors? I know I certainly do, and especially those companies who are disrupting industries that have been around for a long time. We often call those incumbent companies. SelectQuote is one of those companies we should all be studying and learning from. They have leveraged technology to streamline the insurance buying process, and in fact, were one of the first companies to introduce a direct-to-consumer marketplace that allows their customers to compare quotes from multiple insurance carriers. We take that for granted today. That's kind of uh, how business should be done. But when they did this, it was brand new. Using advanced analytics and proprietary algorithms, they are able to provide personalized recommendations that simplify the insurance purchasing experience. Today, we are featuring Floyd May III, who was the CIO of this technology innovator. As a humble leader, Floyd is quick to give credit to his peers and his team. As a soft-spoken leader, Floyd lets his results and business outcomes tell the story. As a leader with intellectual curiosity, Floyd is always learning and helping others to learn. This is why I invited Floyd to be our keynote speaker for our latest TechLX graduation ceremonies. If you follow my podcast, you're familiar with this nine-month cohort-based IT leadership development program because we gift scholarships to STEM-based nonprofits. Floyd will be gifting a seat to the program here shortly. As Floyd and I were preparing for this TechLX graduation fireside chat, I asked if we could also feature him on my Tech Whispers podcast, which he graciously said yes. So Floyd, welcome and thank you for being our first ever guest to be featured during a TechLX graduation and concurrently a Tech Whispers podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the uh, invitation. I'm glad to be a part of this monumental occasion. Uh, we'll see if you'll be using words gracious and, and humble after, after I, I say this. Um, I have to admit, when I first accepted your invitation to participate, I thought it was going to be a destination graduation and we were going to be at HMSA in Hawaii. <laughs> that being said, Dan, to keep to keep with the theme of this being a fireside chat, I'll go ahead and change my background here. So give me a second. Yeah, sounds good. I think Hawaii is a brilliant idea. So welcome to all of our HMA, HMSA folks. And uh, I know it's early your, your, your time there. But you know, you know, Floyd, the select quote story is one that uh, is really special. You know, it's it's a, a story of innovation. It's a story of disruption, bringing new value uh, to your customers out there. So maybe we just kind of start there. So I'll tell you. Um, give me a moment again uh, to brag on the on the organization. I promise this will be the last time you'll hear me boast. But um, a little bit about select quote. We are the number one direct-to-consumer term life insurance broker in America. And since our founding in 1985, we've sold over a million term life insurance policies. And today we can boast that we have over 2 million policyholders. When you look collectively across all of our lines of business, that's term life insurance, final expense, auto and home, and then Medicare Advantage. Um, it's kind of hard to believe that this started with a husband and wife taking out a small ad in the Wall Street Journal telling people, if you want someone to shop for the best insurance policy, give us a call. Then the two of them sitting in front of a phone and just waiting for it to ring. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really amazing. And what you've gone on to do to, uh, as I say, to create something that didn't exist before. You know, it's pretty, pretty magical what, what you've done. 
what attracted you? 2019, you've got this great career going on. Uh, you joined SelectQuote. So what was the ask from the board, the board chair, the CEO? What did they challenge you to come do? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I would tell you what attracted me to SelectQuote is their leadership team. I was familiar with some of their executives, having worked with them years ago when I first started my career. Um, so I kind of watched them from afar and I knew that they had a track record of success. So when I learned that SelectQuote was their latest endeavor. I started doing a little research on them. Um, and just to give you an idea of how successful they were at that time, and, and fast forward a little bit, the company's revenue in 2018 was around $230 million. In four years, they grew that to just shy of a billion dollars at $930 million. So, um, you know, when I had the opportunity and engaged them and when they talked about taking the public, taking the company public, um, it was my responsibility based on the charge of the conversations I had with the chair of the board, the CEO, and the chief operating officer was how can we continue to grow the organization, specifically IT, and grow it responsibly, right? So kind of what that mean, meant for me was I was inheriting an IT organization that was still operating like a startup. And so I needed to operationalize that charge by making sure what we did in IT was documented, repeatable, and audible, understanding that a publicly traded company has got to go through SOX audits. You know, you're, uh, one of your trademarks, and I think for all of our folks in the graduation and for listening to the podcast, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone today is so, so paramount, right? So kind of take us back, you know, it's, what, what are the things you did to push yourself out of the comfort zone, Floyd? What did you do to set yourself up to get the CIO call, even, even back then in 2019? Yeah, believe it or not, it had nothing to do with IT. At the time, I was actually working in the federal government and was participating in a leadership development program, just like the uh, Tech LX grads. It was a senior executive service candidate development program. And the program is a 12-month cohort-based program, and it requires you to participate in 120-day detail in an organization or with a job that's outside of your comfort zone, right? The thought is for you to have a leadership experience to push yourself and learn about what you're good at in those areas that you're not good at. So for me, working in the federal government and from before that I was working in the local government, I looked at the private sector working for a for-profit organization. To me, that was gonna be a big change and that was gonna push me a little bit because now it went from providing services to those in need to actually providing equity for the shareholders of, of the organization. So at that time, most of my cohort, they were DC based. And so a lot of them just went and worked in other federal agencies. For example, a lot of the people in my cohort worked for the Department of Interior. Um, so we were talking about park rangers, even had one of my classmates who was responsible for the Hoover Dam. So they would do things like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go work for HUD. I'll work in housing, that's different. Well, I was in Kansas City at the time, and I really didn't want to do the same thing and travel to D.C. and be away from my family for 120 days. So I actually tapped into my network and reached out to the select quote folks and said, hey, how'd you like to have some free executive labor? That's an offer you can't resist, right? I mean, and just again, you went way out of your comfort zone uh, and took on this new opportunity. I love it. You know, another way I'd love to have you talk about SelectQuote, and I think it's just a great couple of lenses 
to think about our companies and our organizations that we work for is through the con through the lens of two books. So one of the books was written by Andy Grove, uh, Intel years ago, and the book is called Only the Paranoid Survive. And the other book is Good to Great by Jim Collins. If, if you know, these are books that everyone should have have read if you haven't before. But I, I think the first line of that book is is amazing. You know, good is the enemy of great. So those two books in mind, Floyd, given all the success your company's enjoyed, how does Select Quote fight complacency? Because you know your competitors would love to come and knock you off, right? They would love to come replicate and uh, leapfrog you. So how do you fight that as a company and you and IT? Yeah, that's the uh, $1,000 stock price uh, question, right? Yeah. In addition to the line you quoted, which is a good one, I'm also reminded by what the book talks about in terms of the hedgehog concept, which is for those of you who haven't read the book and don't want to spoil it for you, but the hedgehog concept is something the author talks about, which is the intersection of three things. One, what you're deeply passionate about. Two, what you can be, what you can be best in the world at. And three, what best drives your economic engine. For SelectQuote, our hedgehog concept is two things. One, we are a customer acquisition company. And two, a customer engagement company, right? So when we were getting ready to go public and we met with the analysts from the street, we talked about SelectQuote being technology enabled. And we're a company with purpose-built technology proprietary built, right? What was true then is still true now, but I will add that our use of technology is our competitive advantage. The way that we stay ahead of our competitors is to continue to focus on our hedgehog concept and find ways to maximize the use of technology to do so. Yeah, hedgehog, everyone read that. Uh, and when you see the intersection of those three things, Pretty special, right, Floyd? I mean, it really gives you that competitive advantage, whether it's your company or you individually. It applies to you individually as well. So that's awesome. You know, Floyd, I mentioned earlier that we're here today also celebrating our TechLX graduates who have just completed this nine-month cohort-based leadership program. And we're recording with a live audience, so it's you know great to see everyone here. This is the industry's best and brightest. And I got to tell you what, it gives me great confidence in the future of our, of our profession. Uh, one of our standouts in the program has been uh, Brian Posada. Uh, and I've asked Brian if he'd uh, step up and step in and ask a couple of questions as a guest host of, uh, of uh, today's ceremony. So, Brian, welcome to you. Maybe you can just kind of give a quick uh, hello. Uh, tell us who PNNL is and uh, jump in and uh, have some fun with, uh, with Floyd. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Dan. And, uh, and hi, Floyd. It's, it's really a pleasure to uh, meet you and learn uh, about your incredible uh, journey. Uh, by the way, I really enjoyed our, uh, your comment around growing uh, IT responsibly, uh, you know, that documented, repeatable and editable uh, kind of approach, right? Very uh, relatable, I think, I think to me and, uh, and my team, right? So great insight. So as Dan mentioned, uh, you know, as you can see, I'm Ryan Fasada, right? I'm the digital platform manager at, uh, at PNNL, Pacific Northwest National Lab. It's a DOE uh, national lab. Uh, my, my role involves uh, really partnering with our business leads to define and drive our strategies and manage uh, a portfolio of uh, risk and value-driven uh, and user-centric technical uh, solutions. 
Um, so Floyd, I think for, for my, my first question, actually, and kind of related to your comment around growing IT responsibly, um, you know, as a CIO, how do you, how do you balance the need for, you know, innovation and, uh, experimentation with the constant demands for, you know, stability, reliability, and, and security, right. In a, in a, in an organization's kind of, you know, technology infrastructure. Dan has been throwing me some, some, uh, off-speed pitches. You came right out with a fastball. <laughs> I would tell you the, the, the short answer, Brian, um, is very delicately, right? And I, I know you laugh, I laugh at that, but there's, there's truth in jokes. Um, I would tell you this question is very timely because it ties right into what's going on now with generative AI, right? So my peers and I are asking ourselves and each other, how do we proceed with caution without getting left behind, right? What I would tell you is the key is to be disciplined and structured while at the same time being unstructured. And I'm sure, <laughs> sure you're asking yourself, what the heck does that mean, right? You tell me to be structured in an unstructured way. Uh, instead of me trying to explain it and probably confusing you more, I'll tell you high level how we're handling generative AI, right? So first thing we did is we put out an interim policy to the company letting them know, hey, you can't use these products on your own. If you found some good ones out there that you'd like to, to use or try out, just come to us, submit a request. We put together a review board that includes our senior vice president of compliance, our general counsel, our senior vice president over technology development, and then the director of IT security. And what we do is we review those from all of our respective lenses to make sure that it's something that we're comfortable with. Right. Um, inside of IT, our senior vice president of technology development also heads up our R&D group. And so we've given him a sandbox environment that was blessed by our director of IT security where he can play around with a number of tools. And then once he feels like they're ready for prime time or ready for production to put those in our environments, then we go through a formal, more intense review and approval process. Thank you. I see what you mean by, uh, you know, delicately, right? It's definitely a delicate balance between, you know, the flexibility as well as, you know, managing those measures, right, that we need to have in place. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> for my second question, I mean, um, for, I would say, what advice do you have for aspiring uh, technology leaders who are looking to advance their careers and, and make an impact in their organizations, right? Are there any specific skills or experiences that you focus on uh, developing? I would say, Continue to do what, you, what you've done with this program, right? Look for opportunities to grow by pushing, pushing yourself and adding to your network. And I mean your neural and your people network, right? You want to have your own personal database that you can call on as the situation necessitates because the situations are, are going to be different, right? In all the positions that I've had throughout my career, that have been game changers for me professionally, a lot of those jobs have been unadvertised jobs. And the only way that happened was through experience and exposure that programs like TechLX and the network that I created as a result of it cultivated. You know, Brian, we, we run this program, 25 cohorts around the globe a year. Can you just give a couple of nuggets of maybe some takeaways that you as a as a, a, a senior leader now, uh, what you took away from the program? Yeah, definitely. I can uh, 
can actually think of three off the top of my head. But um, you know, one of one of the main takeaways uh for me was the development of of that IT marketing plan, right? And how uh throughout the the workshops and the sessions we're gradually building up to that, right? Putting all the pieces together uh for that for that plan and uh you know really shifting our mentality or or rather supplementing it right with with marketing perspectives that create value-driven conversations around the role of IT, better enabling us to communicate and socialize the value of, of uh, a partnership with IT, really, right? So um, another key aspect, I think, is our, our instructors and mentors throughout the program just did a fantastic job just bringing real-world, very um, applicable and, and relevant information into those sessions. Um, and last but not least, really the, the collaboration with others from, from other companies and, and industries, that diversity of experiences ideas and, and knowledge um, really open up your world, right? And broaden your, your perspectives in terms of giving you more ways to really approach challenges and, and innovation, right? So thanks so much for jumping in and, and representing your, your cohort, representing PNNL and, and yourself. And, uh, you know, Floyd, I want to build on one of Brian's questions. And it's, it's another book, the book, What Got Me Here Won't Get Me There, another, another must-read book. So as you think about your career, you think about going from individual contributor, where we all start, to where you are today as a senior executive, what changes as you as you t- climb the ladder, as you take on higher level roles? So that's a great one. Um, and, and certainly you're gonna hear kind of a recurring theme with me today, but I reference back to a cohort-based leadership class, much like the TechLX graduates went through. And, and my program was a little bit longer, it was a 12-month program, but when the light bulb really turned on for me to answer this question, Dan, was one of those sessions and something that one of the program facilitators had us do and talk to us about. I'm gonna have you guys do it right now. I want everybody to take out a piece of paper and, and a pen and, and I'll, I'll make this quick, but I'll give you a second to, to take that out. Now you all know what paper and pen are, right? Just wanna make sure. <laughs> all right, so what I want you to do is at the top of the paper, I want you to take and draw a circle the size of a dime. And I'll put, I want you to put the letter T inside of the circle. Next to that, I want you to draw a circle about two inches apart, the size of a half dollar. In, inside of that circle, I want you to put an R. All right, now draw a line underneath both circles. Underneath the dime size circle, they have the T in it. And underneath the line, I want you to draw a half dollar size circle and put a T in it. About two inches of space underneath the circle in the line where you had the half dollar size, size circle with the R in it. I want you to put a dime size circle and put an R in it. Got it. Okay. So when you're finished, your picture should look something like this, right? So what the facilitator told us is below the line where you have the half dollar size, size circle with the T in it and the dime size circle that has the R in it, T stands for tasks, R stands for relationships. That is where you are today. And that is what has gotten you to the point of being selected to participate in this leadership class. 
you have done a lot in your career and you've been heavy when it comes to accomplishing tasks. The R stands for relationships. And while you've had relationships that you've developed and cultivated and used throughout your career, there has not been a heavy emphasis on it. Above the line is where you will go as you progress in your leadership career and as you get into more senior level and executive positions. And so it's gonna be less about the tasks that you do and it's gonna be more about relationships. When I look back on my career, that is what has helped me climb the ladder, which was to develop and to cultivate those relationships. I love that visual, that, that, that mindset uh, shift and uh, fits so well with the TechLX program, right? It's all about building relationships, that leadership EQ, having those consultative strategic partnering and uh, conversations. Uh, as Brian said, be able to market, be able to tell a story, communicate our value. So that's really helpful, Floyd. And, you know, everyone here does a phenomenal job of showing up different than their peers. You know, they really, they really, they really show up different. And I think that our profession, Floyd, we don't have a good enough appreciation for our brand. The fact that our brand walks in the room before we do. The fact that there's a room somewhere where, there, where talent, people are being discussed about succession new opportunities, stretch assignments. So maybe kind of speak to that in that context about, uh, you know, how do we help people build their brand? This is one of the few areas where you're hearing me say, the younger generation has this one figured out a lot better than us because those TikTokers, YouTubers, you know, whatever, they, they know how to build a brand, right? So, but in all seriousness, what I will tell you is, and this may sound counterintuitive, take on those projects that no one else wants, especially if it's a failed project, right? Five things are gonna come out of that. Number one, the bar is low. You don't have to do much to show progress. Number two, just like with this leadership class, it allows you to learn and to grow. Three, you'll add to your network. Four, you'll be exposed to leaders in the organization, throughout the organization, at all levels of the organization. And five, and this is where it gets really into the, the brand building, you will develop a reputation as someone who is able to take on challenging projects. Ultimately, that's going to give you experience and exposure, both of which add to your brand and position you for the next promotion. That's, that's so good. That's so good. I love those five points and, you know, it's pushing ourselves out of the comfort zone. And, you know, as you're answering these questions, Floyd, I'm thinking about one of my favorite Floydisms, you know, as you think about your role today, you know, how you lead and it's around my role is to enable and to facilitate. Can you, can you speak to those, those points? It's really a lot of what we've been talking about so far, Dan, even, you know, the, the words of Brian, but when you seek out leadership development and professional development opportunities, my advice to you is don't go in thinking that the greatness of the program, no offense, Dan, or the professors or the facilitators are going to automatically make you better. That's not going to happen. If that's what you're thinking, 
stop. Close your books up, ask for a refund and get out, right? The strength of these programs for you is if you take the understanding and you apply the mantra, you will only get out of it what you put into it. If you embrace that notion, I guarantee you the rest will organically materialize. Point well taken. You know, Floyd, I've been in this business a long time, 38 years, best, best profession ever. Um, I find there's certain attributes that are very consistent in the top leaders. And it has nothing to do with a bright, shiny object. So let's just put that on the table. But what I do find is the best leaders like yourself are very, very intentional, very laser focused on what I call the seven C's of bright leaders. You're focused on the customer. So outside in, inside out. So you all think about that in your worlds, right? You know, outside in, inside out, customer, big C, little C. Focus on culture, building culture that people want to be part of, uh, high-performing culture, innovative culture, learning culture. Very much focus on cultivate. You know, you're big on, on knowing and growing, engaging, retaining, developing your people, attracting the best people. That's cultivate. Courage. It's a big one, right, today, right? The fourth one is courage, leadership courage. Fifth one is change. You know, you all are really good at not just change, but taking people on that change journey. And the last two are your great collaborators and great communicators. So I just, I just threw a lot at you there, Floyd, but I, I kind of unpack a couple of these. So I think select what I think customer. You know, just think of how you're, you know, how you're a customer acquisition company, um, how you think about, take the friction out for your customer. Um, how do you tie your people, your staff, IT to the customer, to that end customer? Honestly speaking, Dan, that's a difficult one. Um, getting technical folks who have spent their entire career for the most part doing technical things to view their technical work from the customer's lens. So the way that we try to do that is by listening to our internal customers, right? Even though we are a direct-to-consumer company, the feedback that we get from those consumers comes to us by our internal customers, our internal business partners, right? So you heard me talk about it, and you mentioned it, SelectQuote's Hedgehog concept around customer engagement. So we have a lot of tools and techniques on the business side to solicit the voice of the customer. We get that information from the business. Sometimes it's good information, good feedback, sometimes it's bad, sometimes in between. But the point is we create those opportunities to hear from them and get that information. And, and I'll give you one, one example. Um, and this is a recent one. I was working with the team on redundancy. And what is our plan, our cyclical maintenance redundancy testing plan and the way they presented the information to me, it was all from a technical lens. It was all IT speak. Good information, accurate information, important information. But when it comes to our customers, it meant nothing. So I challenged them to go back and I said, now I want you to take the same information and I want, to, I want you to put this into the business view, right? So if our business starts with the customer, well, how do we acquire our customers? How do we get our leads? So if in our term life insurance business, we acquire 90% of our customers through our internet page. 
then you know, well, it starts with the internet. It starts with our web page. So that web page now takes on a different level of importance. So we absolutely need to make sure that we have monitoring on the web page. We absolutely need to make sure that we've got canaries on the web page. We absolutely need to make sure we've got redundancy around the web page. Because if that web page goes down, then our sales reps can't sell. So looking at it from a customer lens, understanding and hearing the voice from the customer is important to us. A lot of CIOs I talked to today um, are really concerned about their people not having the leadership courage needed to, uh, to lead us into the future, right? This, there's a lot of unknowns. We're in a VUCA world where there's volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. Um, these are interesting times, right? So anything that you do intentionally to encourage leadership courage? First, I try to lead by example. Um, not only for my direct reports, not only for the IT leadership team, which is all the directors and above, <clears throat> not only for the managers in the organization, but also for those non-management associates. I don't try to hide my imperfections. I let them see my human side. If I make a mistake, I try to own up to it and I let them see that, right? Because I'm not perfect. And I will tell you just here recently for me, we had some shifts in our organization. So instead of reporting directly to the CEO, I'm now reporting directly to the chief operating officer. In one of my first discussions, and we were just talking, and he was giving me his view on uh, how he sees the world, how he sees the organization, he talked about this. And he talked about, I will respect you more if you tell me about the bad things. I will not have a lot of respect if I find out you're trying to hide them from me. Mm. That takes courage. Imagine me now with a new person that I'm directly reporting to, and he's telling me, I want to know all your flaws. Right? So if I'm sharing that information, I'm relaying that information to my organization about the change, they're looking to me to model the behavior of what they should be doing. And so that's where it kind of starts. So I've said, try to lead by example. That's the way that I can convey that information. Because it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to actually do it and apply it. Because they are watching, whether you know it or not. It takes a big load off the shoulders, too, if you're just kind of who you are, you know, trying to be somebody else, right? And uh, yeah, it's a good transition, Floyd, into communication. And uh, you've got an interesting way to think about uh, what I'll call truth-telling. There's a great Floydism around around truth telling you know, you know what i'm talking about so uh what you what you may be talking about is the truth only hurts for the time you tell it is that the one that's the one i think that's powerful can you unpack that for us actually ties into what i was just talking about like don't let somebody else control your narrative don't let somebody assume that you're not being timely with giving them the bad news because you're trying to hide something right they may not like what you have to tell them, but they will respect the fact that you own up to it and communicated that information to them directly. Um, I've experienced that throughout my career. I've had the benefit of working for some great leaders who have modeled that behavior and who have done that for me. I also had the opportunity to work for some terrible leaders who haven't done it. And I've seen what it's done to me. I've seen what it's done to the team. I've seen what it's done to, done to their career. So. You know, don't hide from that truth. Obviously, make sure 
that you are, you know, have your facts in order, but don't try to get all the answers before you're just honest. Even if they're saying, hey, I don't have all the facts on it yet. Here's what I know so far. It's kind of a kind of bastardizing a Ben Franklin quote, but uh, bad news and fish, right? They don't they don't smell better after with time, right? So better to uh, address all that up front. Well, Floyd, we're kind of winding down here. Uh, this has been an amazing chat, but you know, on the podcast, we have uh, been been donating scholarships to the TechLX program. $150,000 a year in scholarships. And uh, in fact, my team had a presentation this morning from one of our scholarship recipients from a nonprofit organization. So I want to give you the ability as our, as our CIO guest to gift a seat in this program to one of the nonprofits that you are engaged in that you support. That's great, Dan. And, and I will tell you, um, I was honored and excited to be able to do this fireside chat. And, you know, I, I would have done it for free, but this particular uh, opportunity is something that is just just amazing, and I'm happy I'm getting this chance. So the, the group that I'd like to gift the seat to is called the W.E.B. Du Bois Learning Center, and um, it's here in Kansas City. It's a grassroots organization that seeks to improve academic performance in underserved communities through educational services, technology, um, <clears throat> Through since its inception, which has been around now, gosh, Dan, probably I would say 35 plus years, it offers free tutorial services for local residents in STEM sub subjects, as well as other educational and vocational counseling services. I personally have ties to the center, including being one of the youth that benefited from the programs. Um, but even now, I continue to tap into the resources. In fact, two of my IT leaders were participants in the program and have turned around and now they dedicate and devote their time on a free basis to the program. And I'm not just talking about, you know, some line staff employees, although there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about the director of my infrastructure operations team that's over network operations and systems operations as well as the director of my IT security. So I would love to gift that the Boys Center and their technology team a seat in your program. We will We will uh, look forward to work with you to get them plugged into the program, our upcoming cohort. And I don't think we've ever had a guest on the show gift it to a program they've actually been the beneficiary of. So that's even more special for you, I know. So that's outstanding. Last question for you, Floyd, probably the hardest question of all. Uh, of the entire chat so far. So you're a Kansas City native. You're 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 there with our fireside chat today. Are the Chiefs going to be repeat champions this year in the Super Bowl? Ooh, that that, that is that is a tough one, Dan. Uh, let me see how I'm going to answer that. Um, here here's what I'll say. I don't want to be the one, right? And I don't want to be the one to jinx the Chiefs. So I'm not going to make any predictions and. The reason why I'm telling you I don't want to be the one, there was a guy back in 2020 when Mahomes won the first Super Bowl, our first round playoff game against Houston. Some of you may remember this. The Chiefs were down 21 to nothing in the first quarter. This guy went live, and he was walking out of the stadium, and his name was Chuck, and he said, listen, it's my fault. As a matter of fact, my buddies called me bad luck Chuck. 
I'm going to sacrifice myself and I'm going to leave the stadium so the Chiefs can win. The Chiefs go on to win 51-31, right? So I want to be known as bad luck Chuck. I'm not going to make any prediction. All I'll say is I'm, I, I'm looking forward to the ride and, and I, I like our chances. You and Patrick Mahomes are uh, two people I have great respect for and your humble leadership, how much you do for your community and your, and your craft. So really appreciate you, Floyd, and coming here, opening up your playbook and sharing your leadership philosophies that really set you apart as, a, as truly a customer first, a business first CIO. And I know our graduates, I know our Tech Whispers audience came away with a lot of, a lot of nuggets to, to beef up their toolkit. So thank you for that inspiration. And on behalf of all of us, you know, we wish you, we wish, wish SelectQuote just continued amazing success. So thanks so much, Floyd. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the opportunity and congratulations to the graduates. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.